Welcome to the Naked Wellness Podcast. As a qualified nutritionist, I'm here to strip away the nonsense and get down to the bare essentials of nutrition and wellness. Join us as we debunk myths, chat with top-notch experts, and serve up practical tips that will leave you feeling empowered. Get ready to uncover the naked truth about living your healthiest life. Let's undress. Welcome back to the Naked Wellness Podcast. Today I have a special guest with me. I have Kelly Watkins. Kelly is a qualified cognitive behavioral therapist who works with individuals and helps them and couples to navigate their way through difficult times in their life or difficulties and challenges that they are experiencing so they can actually return to living the life that they once lived or that they are also or wanted to actually live as well, which is super cool and very inspiring. So welcome Kelly to the Naked Wellness Podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, of course. Did you want to maybe start off with just telling us a little bit about you, your backstory, your own journey, if you've been on one? Yeah, so I've been oh, been qualified for maybe like the last seven, seven years or so. Um, and I think for me, like when I was younger, I used to struggle with self-esteem. Um, my eating habits weren't the greatest um I kind of struggled with that throughout my throughout my teens probably up until my early 20s um and I did a lot of like self-work and trying to understand how I can improve my own self-esteem but I was I suppose I was at I was at university I wanted to become a psychologist but in forensic psychology so it was a a a bit different to working on my self-esteem and then got more interested in some of the therapy models like CBT and 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 that really stuck out for me so even though it was driven by really wanting to support other people one I think one of the defining moments for me when I was 18 I lost one of my best friends they took their own life and I and I think that that really made me want to help people but I just wasn't in that headspace and and kind of went through my own journey with therapy and as I said with self-esteem and then when I got to my mid-20s and I thought okay I can do something about this I can learn really like evidence-based skills to help myself but also help other people so that's how my kind of professional and personal journey aligned, I suppose. Um, so, the, yeah, that was you know, a, a little while ago now. And I think from that, learning the skills that I did on when I did my training, but I, I'm a real advocate. I'm always reading, trying to learn ways that I can support myself and then share that with my clients Um yoga has been a massive part of my journey I started practicing yoga when I was eight probably about 18 yeah when I went to uni um and that has kept me sane as well throughout the process so uh, and mindfulness even though I'm qualified I think I'm quite holistic in how I look at things I don't like to pigeonhole myself or the people that I work with into saying it's just CBT it's only CBT um because like with yourself but I know that you know it is it's that holistic package that we need to look at and and finding your own kind of toolkit that works for you mm-hmm. um yeah I'd say that's kind of a some an abridged version of my story yeah wow and it's like so sorry for the loss and everything that you must have gone through in that time obviously what you went through individually has created this like burning passion and desire to help so many other people through which is so powerful because then it means that 
not only are you qualified in the area, but you also have an understanding for what other people are going through, which is so powerful. And it would mean that you would bring such a different approach to so many of the theories that you put in pra into practice. Like you said, you have that holistic approach to it too, because you actually understand, which is so powerful. And so for some people who might be listening to this and they might not even know or have ever actually heard of cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT before, did you want to kind of explain to us what is it and how can it actually help people to navigate their way through those challenges that they're facing? Yeah, don't, yeah, I always say it, then I forget that kind of when you <laughs> you might not know what it is. So apologies. Um, so with cognitive behavioral therapy, so it's normally shortened to CBT. So it looks at your 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 thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and your physical sensations. So what's going on in your body, how they all interlink, um, because how we think affects how we feel, which can affect what our body is doing, um, and can affect what we're doing or also what we're not doing. So CBT is is short term in the respect that it's not maybe like typical counselling where it would maybe over years or a longer period. I know the shorter term counselling, but CBT is really focused on a particular area and it, and it's it's evidence based. So in the UK, it's seen as like the gold standard um, for for therapy, and I'm not quite sure in, in Australia if that's the the, the case. Um, but you would work on one particular problem, focusing on what's going on in the here and now. And it's not to say that you ignore the past, um, but there's less emphasis put on that. It's about kind of how is what happens in your past? How is that like turning up for you now? And what can we do about it? Um, and, and it's quite active that you would be set exercises to do between therapy sessions or homework sessions whatever you like to call them and then you you practice out the skills come back say how they're doing and, and you build on it in that way um mm -hmm. and I think and it depends on your CBT therapist because there are models and protocols that you follow as, as you work through um, but as I said for me I like bringing other things as well so even though it's CBT it would maybe not the purest CBT because I bring in other elements as well um but it, it can be useful for people with as, as mentioned low self-esteem depression any of the anxieties so social anxiety generalized anxiety health anxiety um it's useful for post-traumatic stress disorder um substance misuse uh personality difficulties so it's a whole kind of plethora of things that it, it can be used for and it, it can even be adapted for if someone hasn't got um a diagnosis you don't have to have that that label to be able to benefit from it that you can still use the skills um and as a professional I'm I'm not someone that likes to put people in boxes of diagnosis even though mm -hmm. it kind of when you're talking about it, it it makes sense to do so um but for some people it really works um saying oh, I've got depression and that's fine but I think there's so much more to it than one word can actually explain um but yeah that I suppose that that's it it looks at your thoughts feelings behavior and there's so many different techniques mm -hmm. um, that people can use uh, and find which ones work for them and as I said for myself with my toolbox how I say to my clients is really the goal at the end of CBT is that you have your own therapeutic toolbox and you become your own therapist so in five ten years time if you get uh, like a, a a difficulty that comes up that either reminds you of something that you've been through 
or it's something new chances are what you've got in your toolbox you can just adapt it's just about looking at it and seeing where those transferable skills are which is one of the things I absolutely love about it that it's even though it's short term so people could do it for six sessions 12 sessions up to about 24 still in five or 10 years time you've got those skills that are there um so I think that's a real benefit of CBT for people yeah I think that's so cool and just even how the brain can be trained just like any other muscle in our body is so fascinating I know for me growing up quite a young age I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder and just how you're talking about having the labels on things so for me I found that having that label was probably not the best thing because it then yeah. meant at a young age I I did like I attached myself to that and I was like well this is me this is how I act so I can't then go and do x y and z and it was quite limiting for me and it wasn't until yeah I found CBT as well and started working through that and recognize that the brain gets to be trained like any other part of our our body and you can actually build that toolbox I think that's just such a beautiful way that you're explaining it of those different techniques that you individually get to have to be able to navigate your way through it. And that allowed me to shift into this place of, okay, well, you know, I have anxiety and I might always have anxiety for the rest of my life, but it doesn't mean that it's gonna stop me from doing anything. And it doesn't define me as a person and kind of releasing that attachment that I had to that label was a huge yeah. part of that journey because it's like, I can navigate my way through it and it's gonna pop up and surprise me at the most random times, but yeah. I have the toolbox there ready to go. And I think that, yeah, what you just explained aligns with that so much. I think, yeah, it's it's so right. Cause you can, as I said, you can have that label and it's helpful for people to understand the, the traits, but then when it becomes limiting, um, yes. it's like, oh, no, I can't do that because I've got generalized anxiety disorders. Like, well, you can, but it's about working out how you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, it, and it's just so individual. Um, but I think how you explained it there, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. And then I think because your toolbox then also allows you to communicate it really well to the people around you as well. And for an example, like my partner, he is just the most chilled out, like nothing phases him, whatever goes, goes, right? And like, I'm the complete opposite. And so <laughs> for me trying to explain that to him, he, like he just sometimes doesn't quite get across. And so I think having those tools there to be like, this is what I'm feeling, but this is what I'm actually doing to work through it is just such a nice way of communicating to let people around you know that this this situation that's playing ahead probably is going to impact me totally different to you that's okay but I do have my toolkit just be aware that I might like cry for 20 seconds and I'll be fine after (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I think communication and I think one of the things that maybe in the last five to ten years I think people being more open about Mm -hmm. their experiences and I think that that is so powerful that um I went to a wedding last week and there was a there was a bunch of psychologists really all, t- all together and one of us is like oh, it's, uh, I'm, I'm being like I've got a sensory overload at the moment I'm just going to go and stand outside and the other person's like yeah I can really feel it on my skin and they're like no the sensory for me is in my head and we're all standing there we all just burst out laughing um but it was it's I suppose more so because we work in the field but then seeing that translate to um some of my friends who don't work in the field and they're they're expressing, oh, I feel a little bit anxious about going out tonight because of X, Y, and Z. And it's okay, cool. Let's see what we can do. Um, and and I think that and 
not owning it to let it define you but being able to share your experience with with other people to 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 lessen those barriers that I think were there maybe 15 years ago or more yeah and it's removing that stigma as well around it isn't it because for a period of time it's like well if you were to vocalize that you felt anxious about going out it was almost seen as being and I do this like in quotation marks like weak almost yeah. and it's removing that stigma of actually it just makes you human because we all experience it and you don't have to experience it in silence anymore yeah and, and I'm so passionate about kind of removing that stigma I will talk to anyone and everyone <laughs> about mental health and I, I suppose when you you work in the field there is that um it's not a duty but you, you feel that to, to just to normalize it uh, and the more you have those conversations um like my dad owns a shop and because I've kind of normalized it so much around him he's quite open now when customers come in and he he finds people coming into a shop and just sharing all this stuff with them and because he's kind of held in information and it's amazing like these are men in their like maybe like 50s 60s uh, and they're now being able to express that in a way that I wow. think again previously I don't think that would have happened but I think through so many people now it's kind of a um a snowball but a, a good snowball um in that that more people are talking about it recognizing it talking about it and again that that shift in society it i would see is only for the good mm, i 100 yeah i 100 agree and so I find that many women do experience self-doubt or they can have quite a challenging relationship with themselves and their body. And so how do you see that CBT could maybe help work through this or how can people start to actually work through that self-doubt that they experience? I think with CBT, because you've got the cognitive and the behavioural side of things, I probably should have said that earlier. So you've got kind of what you're thinking and what you're doing are kind of the real key parts of it. Um, and I think with self-doubt, that comes into both areas. So mm -hmm. it's not just what you are doing or probably more so what you aren't doing. Um, it's that that cognitive element of what's going on in your head as well. So I think in terms of helping people, it it's figuring out what avenue in is best so if you are someone where it's sometimes for, for I wouldn't say for all people but for a lot of people getting with the behaviors going in that way can be easier than challenging the thoughts so if we were going to say that the first step I would get people to look at okay so what is your self-doubt either stopping you from doing limiting you in doing um and almost like making a, a list and how much does that self-doubt impact that area so maybe a 10 out of 10 or a 2 out of 10 um and in those situations the the reason why the self-doubt is showing up because there'll be some sort of prediction so it could be that um I won't know what to say or I'll fumble my words or um someone will laugh at me people will shut me whatever it is and you look at the ones that you've scored like lowest on, on that rating uh, and you go and do those things but you you hold in mind what is that prediction and you prove that prediction wrong so mm -hmm. uh, I'm writing it down because then you're getting all this evidence that's proving your self-doubt wrong um, 
and if there's sometimes where you do go into a situation and you don't know what to say it's like okay well, so what 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 can then I learn from that yes I didn't know what to say initially but what happened after that like that you was able to open up so I think sometimes a self-doubt will cling on to that oh in the first five minutes you stayed quiet all right so what but after that you was able to talk and because you're setting it up at like an experiment you're looking for this evidence so that that would be that there are loads of skills that you could use but I think that would be a really nice way into it and then you you move up the the hierarchy or the 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 that ladder that you've created um and you would move up to the next part where you notice that you can go into that initial situation and that self-doubt is either drastically less or it's not there at all. Mm, it's so interesting. And even when you're just talking, it kind of reminds me of as humans, typically we tend to, with like you said, with the self-doubt, we obviously are predicting something to happen. And one idea that came to mind for me was when somebody's telling a story and they say like, oh, and, and I don't know, the, the cookie shop in x place do you know where that is and if you're standing there and you have no idea where that is so often so many of us like oh yeah yeah yeah, like i know where that is and that's like almost that doubt of if i say no i'm going to be seen as dumb or not knowing or maybe they'll laugh at me or all of these type of things and it's those tiny little things that we do each day that i feel like can also accumulate and build up to have the evidence in the opposite way and so it makes complete sense as to why you're saying we have to rebuild evidence to prove all of that wrong and that evidence is obviously going to be so much stronger and in that example you could be like no i have no idea where that is guaranteed the person telling the story would then actually just explain it and then move on with the story nothing bad would ever come from it but our minds obviously like to create some very drastic stories sometimes yeah and so with that you'd have the the suppose the experiment that you'd be doing is when you don't know the answer say to someone you don't know the answer rather than trying to fill the air um and then again as you said that you're you're going to start to challenge that that those predictions are oh they're going to laugh at me if I say I don't know where the cookie shop is or they're going to kind of um just walk away and like kind of huff at me and then when you're doing that and someone comes up I don't know how many people ask where the cookie shop is but when (laughs) someone comes up and asks you you say oh no sorry I don't know where it is and then they're just like, oh, okay, thanks. Have a good day. And it's like, oh, okay. And 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 that's why I said about like writing it down, whether that is on your phone or whether that is on a piece of paper. And then when that self-doubt starts to creep up, you can read all of this evidence that disproves it. And that's why I, I probably annoy my clients. So I'm like, please write it down. So you, you've got it there. You're going to make it more powerful for yourself. And, mm-hmm. and that's why I think recording things like in, in that way, whether you're in therapy or if you're just doing work on yourself, it is is really important. Yeah, absolutely. And because I guess as well, you can have so many positives that have happened and all it takes is one negative and then you hyper focus on that. So if you haven't written any of the positives down, all of a yeah. sudden like your brain is now only fixated on the one thing that didn't quite go to plan. Exactly. Like you could have like the really loads of things like wins throughout your day and then one thing happens and then it's like, right, that's it. My day's over. My day's ruined. And then it's like, but actually I've done all of these other things. Why has that got so much weight on it? And that just wipes out the rest of my day. Yes, 100%. And so when it comes to, I guess, our relationship with ourselves and our bodies specifically and body image self-confidence, because I feel like this is such a huge topic, 
we can have so many negative thoughts towards ourselves. And a lot of this, I believe, does come from life experiences that we've had, which have created these core beliefs. And those life experiences could be our parents, coaches, teachers, influential people in our lives, or it could be drastic diets that we've tried to go on, just social media in general. But obviously we get to a point for a lot of us as women where our brains have been almost like wired in a way, or they like we've learnt these beliefs of how we should look, how we should be, to not like ourselves because when we look at the the billion dollar industry of the diet industry, it does, it pries on our self, like lack of self-confidence and our vulnerabilities and insecurities and makes us feel not worthy. How can we, like that is such a tough thing to then actually try and navigate your way through and, and overcoming those negative thought patterns that we do go through? Is it a similar sort of journey or are there other techniques that you could put in place to work through this? Yeah, there's there's loads of different ways. Um, can I share two? Because I think they'd yeah, be really let's go for um, it. So the first one that when you get that negative narrative in your head, um, when you catch yourself, just ask yourself, like, would I speak to someone who I deeply care about in that way, whether it's a best friend, a partner, a, an animal, a child, um, wh- whatever it is. And the answer is going to be no. Mm-hmm. Um, and then ask yourself, OK, so what would I say mm-hmm. instead? You would say X, Y and Z. And then replace that negative thought with what you'd say to someone that you care deeply about. Um, And you continue to do that every time that negative narrative shows up, whether it's 10 times a day, 100 times a day, two times a day, whatever it is. And exactly as you said, with the rewiring, you're doing that and you're going to be challenging yourself cognitively. And you may not believe it at the start, and that's completely fine. But the more you do it, you're creating new neural pathways with this information that is going to start to how I always see it is like a kind of walking through like a, a meadow or something and you've got the grass really tall. And that when you're trying to do something new, it's really hard to walk through the meadow because the grass is tall. Mm-hmm. But the more you do it, so the more you flip it to the what you'd say to your your best friend or whatever, that pathway is going to be easier for you to walk through. So it's about repeating that um uh, and doing that so that's the the first technique that you can do anywhere as well um the, the second technique you need a mirror for um so within that it's about looking at yourself and for some people that I work with it can be really difficult to maybe look at yourself in like a full mirror so kind of your whole body um so maybe looking just at your head and for some people it may be they can't look face on they have to go sideways whatever works but naming one thing or more thing that you either accept you don't have to like it you don't have to love it but you accept or if you feel comfortable to saying something that you like then great um and if that is even so it could be that um I accept um the length of my hair or um I like the color of my eyes or I like um this freckle that I've got right here whatever it it could be and you, you can do it that way um and then you start to say more and more things um or you can do say things like what you're thankful for your body for so um I'm thankful to have these eyes so I can see um my dog's face or my child's face or my partner's face so whichever kind of avenue but it's just about getting you to look at yourself and getting you to say things that are more either neutral or positive language rather than negative 
And the reason why I say neutral or positive, because at the beginning, it may not feel comfortable to do the positive like oh my god I love my face I look incredible um obviously that's what we're aiming for but (laughs) to start off with and it's those those pathways every day is going to be different um that like times of the month that we may be more bloated or we may have changes in our body that kind of being like I'm thankful for my body showing me that it's going through these changes and what how powerful my body is rather than being like, oh, I look so bloated, I look terrible. So, and that's why kind of having that either accept or like or love or that thankfulness, gratefulness, whatever word works for you. Um, so yeah, sorry, it's long-winded, but there'd be my two two areas, mm. I'd say. Yeah, I love that. I think like the rewiring and the repetition of just doing that again and again is so powerful because so many people, I guess, when they start this journey, they might not even believe that they can get to that point where they do have that acceptance. It just might seem so far away. And so as you touch on, you just, you got to keep putting in the reps. You might not believe it to start with, but as you keep showing up, you're literally rewiring and wearing in that path. And then that body neutral place that we can get to, I think is also really important because I feel like in uh, especially on social media as well there's this big movement towards body positivity self-love but i also feel like there is this phase that we're going through where people do promote self-love and that's like the perfect place to get you of that oh my god i love every part of me i'm just obsessed type of thing and at the end of the day you might never actually wholeheartedly love every single part of your body and it's actually okay to be that but you can get to that point where you still accept every part of your body And in this journey of like transitioning from negative to neutral to positive, like that neutral period, I still remember when I went through that, it feels really strange and quite uncomfortable because you're like, I'm not thinking about it negatively anymore, but I also have really any positive thoughts. It just feels a little bit like I have no thoughts towards, like it just is what it is. And it's such an interesting phase to go through. But I guess one of like the, the sayings that stuck out to me in that part of my journey was the woman who has everything always wants more. And the woman who doesn't have anything only ever wants one thing. And it was like, so if a woman like who has a capable body like myself, who is able to exercise, able to do all the things that I want to do, was forever like always striving to be a small size or change this part of my body or change that. Yet I never took the moment just to appreciate like the small things that you said, like your eyes being able to see. And so the woman who let's say doesn't have two legs to walk from A to B, probably wouldn't even care what the legs look like, would just actually want legs so that she could do that and take that action. And I thought that was so powerful because our bodies do show up for us every single day and allow us to do all of the things that we do. And so often we almost take that for granted or we don't stop and have that, that moment of, okay, well, this respect almost has to go two ways and I can get to that point where I see myself in that light of acceptance yeah it is so true and I think even just being thankful for what our internal organs are doing that we can't see what they're doing but they're doing a hell of a lot inside of us um and that and I think that's always when I speak to people when we're talking about this sort of thing it's always quite alien to them because they're kind of putting themselves down kind of but it's just the external I'm like okay what about your personality what about what's going on inside of you like what about your heart as in the love that you show but also what actually your physical heart is doing um and that sort of shift and I I used to do workshops before COVID and just these like you can see the like the cogs going around in people's heads um and it was just yeah fascinating to see And, and then 
one thing I, I always do and I do it with my friends probably much to their annoyance like if <laughs> if someone gives someone a compliment like women are so like say oh, I really like hot like oh it's really old like I've had this for years mm. I think I ironed it today um and just saying thank you like that was I did I remember when um I did it years ago it was an experiment on myself because I noticed when people I'd just back the compliments Straight away deflect yeah and it's just like oh this is really old or oh, I haven't washed my hair today or oh, da, 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 da. and then um someone commented like why do you when I compliment why do you always do that if you're someone that I worked with and I was like oh I never really paid that much attention mm. and then from that point on I've been annoying probably people ever since <laughs> by getting people to accept compliments <laughs> Yeah, because it's true. You do get to accept them. Like you don't have to deflect every compliment that comes away. I guarantee the first time that you actually accept a compliment, you're like, oh, thank you. You feel so awkward and so uncomfortable. <laughs> so if you kind of sit in there like, uh, thank you, uh, and then like, have to hold your mouth shut like so you don't say anything more. Yeah, absolutely. But it's such a, like even something so small like that, it's such a powerful technique of you actually owning your power as well, not like giving that away to somebody else, which is so cool. Yeah. And it's something anyone that you can start that at any point of your journey and you can, you know, you don't need anything special to be able to start doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Another big one like that, which I feel so many people do, and I went through a phase of doing is apologizing for everything. Like, oh, sorry, sorry, I said that, or sorry, I did that, or sorry, I'm so late, like, or whatever it is. And I had a friend that pulled me up on that. She was like, you have to stop apologizing. Like, you were two minutes late. You don't, you don't apologize for getting here two minutes late. You say like, thank you for your patience, or just like such simple changes in the wording. And I was like, ah, like, so now like I have to pull myself up on, but you're right. Once you become aware of it yourself, you also become aware of um, so many other people doing it too. Yeah, the, the sorry one. I think that the British culture, we're kind of renowned for saying sorry for everything. Um, and I, I, it's so interesting you say that. There was a, It was a post the other day and it was what you could replace instead of saying sorry, 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 uh-huh. like you can, I'll try and find it and send it to you it was so good it yes. was like yeah instead of saying sorry I'm late like thank you for waiting for me instead of saying like sorry I don't understand saying oh can you explain x y and z to me and it was really really good I'll, I'll try and find it it was really mm, good yeah no that does sound amazing and then the other one that popped into my mind then as well was when we say just like if you're typing out an email and you say like I am just wanting to confirm something and just even that change of terminology of no, you're not just wanting, you are wanting, you know, you have to step into that authority and that power of, I'm actually wanting to know this information, or I'm wanting to get you to write the emails. And I am somebody who always puts that just in all of my things to like soften it. I'm like, how interesting, how much power that we could have, do we give back to other people to be almost like extra liked or accepted? I guess maybe that comes down to people pleasing somewhere or tendencies like that as well. Yeah, that I I've never heard that before, and I'm just literally rolling through my email. <laughs> like, I'm just wondering instead of like, can you confirm? And it there was something probably can, I don't want to go off on a massive tangent, but it's something to do with like the male and feminine kind of the the languages, um, and that kind of what you see kind of people that maybe identify as a female and kind of the language that they mm-hmm. choose versus people that identify as a male. And I think that that's really interesting in, in kind of seeing the differences and um but as you said with the I'm just wondering rather than can you um yeah um yeah that's quite interesting no that is super interesting and on that as well I know that there isn't there's so many studies that are also done of even just women in the workforce and how they are a lot more 
accepting or you know let's say they're like okay this is your new pay rise as women typically like oh, okay like that's amazing thank you so much for that but if you were to give it to a male who is very much in his masculine he might be like oh that's not right like i think i actually deserve x extra for my pay rise and just how a lot of women do typically tend to end up having a bit more of the people pleasing we maybe have a little bit more of an internal fear of not being accepted or having that self-doubt or things that come up through that and how and I mean this is also going into like the masculine feminine energy but how you can get to that point where you do have a balance of both as being a woman and you actually can step into that powerful woman that you get to be yeah so I just want to share like a real live example I had a meeting yesterday um and it was um with a man and it was about um we're talking about fees for me doing this piece of work and I said my my fee my hourly fee which is the same for everyone and then they said oh no that's kind of more um than what we expected and in my head I was like okay well I'll just drop it I'll just drop it and then I just kept it and I I was like okay and then it, I felt so uncomfortable, yeah. but I was just like, I had to, I was like, I'm, yeah. I'm not doing it. I'm not dropping it, but that's what other people pay. That's what I've been paid for the last couple, not like obviously in increments, but, but that's kind of, that's my fee. Yeah. Um, and then he was just staring at me like, okay, well that's more. And I was like, yeah, it is. Okay. Like, and then I was like, do I need to explain my experience? Like, no, he knows my experience. I don't need to try and justify it. Like, you've yeah. come to me you know what I'm worth um but yeah it was a real interesting of that I had like a massive internal thing of oh I should drop it or oh, I should explain more why I'm worth that amount um and then we said okay we'll keep in touch um and then that was the end of the call but it was yeah it was really really interesting thinking about it like that so interesting and how powerful you actually stand your ground because at the end of the day you know your worth you know what you charge and even if you were to drop it for him then that's not fair on all the other the amazing clients that you have that are actually paying because they they know and they're willing to pay what you're worth as well and yeah i just think that there's so many examples like that where it's the internal battle and the voices are like there and you to push past that can be so challenging but again I guess it also goes back to that evidence piece that you're talking about earlier like now you also have evidence that you can stand your ground and even though it's uncomfortable in the time what it leads to after is so empowering yeah and yeah I think that's that evidence and also for something that really helped me in that moment I've got um a colleague kind of slash friend who is really stands her ground like when it comes to her her worth in terms of financial she won't take any rubbish that that will be her her thing and I almost kind of envisage her in my head that if I would have had a conversation with her and told her that I would have lowered it that like what would she and almost kind of and I love that like sometimes when we don't feel that that strength thinking about someone that we know even if it's personal or not that has that that strength that quality that we require and almost embodying them um and it's not to say that we're not good enough in our own self but to kind of develop that skill sometimes when we can see it in other people and hone that um I think that that can be a really great way of doing it as well one hundred percent. Literally, just like owning your power, and I'm such a strong believer in whatever you entertain, you attract. And so, let's take your example from the other day. If you had have entertained that type of energy and behavior for him to want you to obviously lower the price right then and there, and you'd done it, 
then you're literally opening the door to so many other clients to come your way and ask for the price to be lower too because that's the type of energy that you're entertaining whereas like you stood your ground I'm like absolutely not and so now the energy that that you're putting out there I'm like what you're entertaining is that you know your worth and the clients that come into your world actually respect that and Mm -hmm. also wholeheartedly know your worth yeah and I said it it wasn't even to do with the fact that he was a man it was just interesting that dynamic and it, and mm-hmm. it wasn't with that um it, it was for a company so it wasn't yeah. that it was an individual that's telling me they couldn't afford it that's completely mm. different um but it was a company that I know has got like millions yeah <laughs> and it was still that I'm like come on now like if someone is like coming to me and they're saying that they're, they're saving they're putting money out of their pay packet to ensure that they've got mm-hmm. that time for that and yet someone with millions that was company with millions I was like well, that doesn't make sense to me no, absolutely no yeah. I love that I think it's so powerful and so I guess if somebody is listening to this and they're like okay I kind of want to start this journey because I feel like there's more that I can unpack or I am currently experiencing the body image issues or anxiety depression whatever it is where do where do they start like what's that first starting point so I think um in ter- do you mean in terms of like professionally or what would somebody wanting like if they're going through difficulties or challenges in their life yeah maybe maybe the same point is to reach out or is there other places they can start to yeah yeah sorry so I think that when someone's starting their journey uh, I think kind of reading whether that is physically reading or audiobooks um and kind of finding the things that speak to you um and I think that that would be your initial step and as we spoke at the beginning thinking holistically like trying mm. out new things um whether that is yoga whether that is kind of meditation whether that is um being more in tune with your nutrition like whatever it is that there's going to be those those kind of steps but I think in terms of the the oh. journey for your mental wellness um as well as doing the behavioral changes I think reading um finding out what it is that you actually feel that you would like support with um maybe gathering some information and sometimes that can be enough that you pick up a couple of skills that really work for you um but then with the professional side of things I think then it could be about finding a professional that would be beneficial for you um there are there's actually um there's a, a, a it's an Australian company actually and they do loads of self-help books and they're for free um can I say what it is or <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's a, it's um CCI so it's the Center for Clinical something it's a government website and they've got these loads of self-help books um and you go through like each of them so I normally I get people to to go through them and I think it's one of the best websites I've ever seen it's all free um, and it literally breaks it down into different areas. So and that is underpinned by CBT. So that's kind of a, a good space to to go through. Um, but then, as I said, if if that isn't quite hitting the points that you want, then I think, yeah, going professionally, uh, I think it will be the, the, the next step. And, and again, it's different in which country you're in, but making sure that you find a suitably qualified professional mm-hmm. is something that I feel really passionate about because I think on, especially on the internet, social media, sometimes it's not really clear who's properly qualified and who isn't um so I think asking for credentials knowing what credentials someone needs to practice um 
and yeah kind of making sure that you get the right person um the right person in terms of their professional qualifications and then obviously the right person in terms of the connect with them would come later yeah absolutely and when reaching out for that help I think it's so important that people understand that they don't have to go through these struggles on their own like there are there are people who are willing to help you and guide you through this and you don't have to do it in silence and there's nothing wrong and there's no harm in fact I would say it's actually a real big strength to reach out for that help and to get somebody to guide you through this journey which is so so important definitely as I said that you can get some really good value out of the the reading and kind of wherever it's those work I mentioned or but sometimes it comes a point that you just want that either where it's a top up or it's kind of full treatment but sometimes I get people that come to me that have done so much work on themselves and it's like I know all of this but I can't actually apply it to 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 me so we're not really working together for that long maybe even like three or four sessions and that just kind of pulls everything together and as you said there is absolutely no shame in asking for help that we all need help in different ways and it's just reaching out that yes you may feel a little bit anxious or whatever at the beginning but trust me from a professional perspective we, we've seen a lot of things so yes. no, 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 nothing really shocks us um, I always get people saying oh I don't know if you've heard this before I feel a bit funny saying it and as soon as they tell me I'm like yeah that's fine <laughs> we can work on that <laughs> um, I think that you see their body like being like oh I don't want to say it and then I'm just sitting there like yeah can't let's go for it um yeah. and that's that's quite good as well um so yeah there's nothing all the there's probably things that we haven't heard but there's nothing really that we're going to judge you for mm-hmm. nothing that we're going to make you feel small for um we're kind of that professional best friend um in kind of in, in that sense but yeah I think reaching out is one of the most powerful things that you can do when you really do need it yeah absolutely what would you say is one of the top misconceptions that you do hear about mental health the people are immune from it mm. um I'd probably say that 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 oh. just because I'm x y and z oh I can't experience it or um I, yeah I think that I, I don't oh. know it's like generational but I think mm, that's not fair to say I was say, like different generations kind of see mental health in a different way and mm-hmm. but I think that anyone can experience mental health it doesn't mean that you're weak as you said it doesn't Mm. mean you have got anything wrong with you it doesn't mean that um that people are going to judge you that there's nothing like that but you could be walking down the road and you could walk past 10 people and everyone's going like there's that that quote isn't it everyone's going through things that you can't see or struggles that you can't see um and I think that people just assume that they're the only one that yeah that other people aren't going through it or then or the as I said the opposite of oh they're immune from it it's not that that everyone's got their own things going on um and you don't have to tell everyone about everything that's going on for you by any means but just I think people either thinking that they're alone going through it or they're immune from it I know they're the two polar opposites but I'd say they're the kind of the two the the common misconceptions I would say yeah, there's a word, Sonder Noun, and it, it's the, the realisation that 
everyone actually is living their own life that we have no idea about like everybody's got their own bubble and I guess at the end of the day we have no idea what's going on behind closed doors and you're right, like you could walk down the street and someone could be putting on a brave face but again like you don't like they live in their own life and going through their own battles at that point what was that word again can I down. <laughs> yeah <laughs> write that down I remember the day yeah. that I learned it, I was like oh my god this is so interesting because and it was so funny because I was driving the car and I was with my boyfriend and he has like these words of the day that pop up and I was just talking about how it was so interesting because all the houses were driving past like some had lights on and some didn't and I was just saying how it's it's so interesting when you just like take a moment to take a step back and you're like everybody's living their own life like some people are in their house having dinner right now some people are out partying like and we have no idea who these people are we have no idea what their story is we have no idea like what their financial position is or anything like that and he was like oh that was the word of the day today like Sunday and I was like that is so random but so cool and I love it's it. like yeah it's crazy it's just we're all all individuals just doing our own thing it's gonna be my new word I'm gonna have to look at <laughs> that's really good but it's so true I think even like with um I'm I'm not always the best at messaging people back because I kind of get in my own bubble um and then I always kind of feel the need to apologize for people but exactly yeah. as you said we're all in our own bubble we don't, doesn't mean that we're a bad friend or a bad like wife or girlfriend like sister daughter mm-hmm. whatever that but it's about yeah kind of we obviously we needed that time to not look at our phone or to not respond to that email and that's okay um but yeah that's yeah I love that word yes it's so good now I have some quick fire questions for you ready for these Kelly what is one thing that you must do every morning to set your day up oh one thing that I do or that other people do that you do oh I have um like I I put salt in my water the night Uh before and I drink that in the morning interesting love it good start (laughs) yeah yeah I don't know just to get apparently to do something to do with electrolytes or oh, something yeah. my brother oh, yeah. told me to do it so I was like okay I don't know but if if that were if that's not medically proven um <laughs> then then I do some like breathing or some stretching yeah perfect I love it and what is one thing that everyone can do every day just to improve their life um notice the things that they're grateful for yeah I love it what would you say your favorite quote is and why uh, this too shall pass um, pretty much what it says on the tin that kind of <laughs> that when you're going through something I, I sometimes I say it like Gandalf um like instead of you shall not pass like this too shall pass but I say it like that um because I feel like it just adds extra dramatics um but I I think that just when you're going through that difficult time that it's all gonna it, it will pass so it will be fine mm-hmm. yeah the storm always passes I love it it's so true like no matter how tough it feels right now you will come out the other side now one question that I love to ask all my podcast guests is in the distant future when you are looking back on your life what do you actually feel will be your biggest achievement or one thing that you'll be most proud of and this could be something that you've already done or it could also be something that you're hoping to do in the future I'll go with what my gut said straight away um so I'm studying my like a, a doctorate at the moment so I'll be like Dr Watkins in oh hopefully God. a couple of years and I think I always I was never the smartest at school Um, I yeah even at uni I was never top of the class and I think that for me getting that title is 
uh, yeah, I feel like it's going to be a, just, yeah, going to make me feel really proud. I got diagnosed with dyslexia when I was 29. Um, and so I was kind of <laughs> an uphill struggle that I didn't know I was on. Um, so I think that, um, and because it like, yeah, I think professionally that's going to be my biggest thing and kind of seeing how proud it makes people around me as well. Mm-hmm. Like seeing my family's reaction to that is, is really quite nice. Oh, I so, love it. That's so powerful. Yeah. And even just like the impact and the change that you're having on so many people and then for you to be able to do that for yourself as well is so beautiful. Yeah. I think my my, my cheesy answer would be kind of all the people that I, I've helped. And obviously that is really, but I think personally for me, that would be what mine is. <laughs> 100%. I love that. And did you want to tell the audience what you have coming up with anything exciting for them and where the listeners can actually go to find you? Yeah, I think for me, I just kind of posting regularly. Um, I, I will have some workshops coming up in the near future, but I don't have any dates set as yet. Um, but on Instagram, I am Kelly dot the dot CBT dot psychologist. Um, and that's mainly where you can find all my links to my like TikTok, YouTube, um, uh, and Facebook. So, yeah, that would be the main place. So I'd say the one stop shop, and my website's. Yeah www.kellywatkins.co.uk yeah beautiful and i'll put those direct links in the the show notes so people can go over and check it out but yeah you post obviously quite regularly and lots of interesting and engaging posts so if people want more information about anything and everything that we've touched on definitely the place to go to to check out cool exactly well thank you so much for coming on and sharing everything that you have with us today i know that so many people will be walking away having taken some little golden nuggets and feeling quite inspired probably to to start maybe their own journey or work through some things that they have been wanting to work through for a long period of time. So thank you. Thank you, Kelly. It's been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for having me. It's been, I've really enjoyed it. What an amazing episode today with Kelly. I would love to hear what your key takeaway is from today's episode, or if you currently know somebody who is struggling with their mental health to share this episode with them. I always love connecting with every single one of you. So just head over to my Instagram, with which is KJ Wellness with three S's and send me a direct message or a DM. I will chat with you in the next episode very soon. And until then, you take care. Bye.